So, Kaylee, I really like this episode. I was actually thinking about it a couple of weeks ago, like, while I was showering, because you know I always have my best thoughts in the shower. Of course. And I find this episode super funny, but we want to put a mental health trigger at the very beginning of the episode. The main character suffers from what's known as disassociative identity disorder. Some people incorrectly call it multiple personality disorder. But that's the concept. We want to take a moment to recognize that there are people out there who do suffer from mental illnesses, including this mental illness. And we want to remind you that we're not laughing at people with mental illness because I think that's something that both Kaylee and I struggle with. But it is yeah. it is definitely something that in a one hour comedy is good to is good to laugh at a little bit. Give us a little good medicine. So the only other thing I want to say, and I think Kaylee, you probably clocked this too, when Lassiter and Juliet get the files from the psychologist that died. Mm-hmm. Lassie goes, let's go get these nut jobs. And I just want to... Yeah. And I mean, and it's clear that Lassiter is not a sensitive enough person. And that's why Juliet's such a good foil. And so just like preemptively, like there are pejorative terms used and things are made light of... I mean, gender identity is made light of a little bit, but I feel like it's handled in a way that, like, clearly these guys have a hang-up, but it's not, hopefully not overly generalized, and I hope no one's offended, because, you know, it is not maliciously meant. I truly believe that much. I'm with you on that. That was a very strong, deep, cold open there. Also, you're not a nut job if you see a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a therapist or a counselor. You are a human, and that's totally okay. And this was sponsored by BetterHelp. No, just kidding. We're not sponsored. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> we went two different ways, but I like them both. That's okay. That's okay. Should we start the podcast? It's showtime. This is... To, to the, the Blueberry! I'm Alexis. I am a real life Gus, and I'm here with my real life Sean. Woohoo! Her name Kaylee. is Kaylee. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, we are two real life best friends who really identify with Sean and Gus and love the show Psych. So we decided one day we were going to start a podcast. Yeah, because why not? It's a really good excuse to hang out with you every week and talk about our favorite show. I'm with that. <laughs> This episode is season one, episode seven, and it's called Who You Gonna Call? Which, I mean, coming out strong. Yeah, coming out strong with pop culture references. We're here for it. This episode is full of them, especially TV and movie. We open up with our classic flashback in 1986 with Little Sean number three. Little Sean number three still going strong. I really do believe he sticks around for quite a while. And number four sticks around for a while, too. So I think... Like, we have a little while before it changes, and I just love this little Sean. He's perfect. I have a correction to make. About little Gus? About little Gus number one slash number two. Uh, (laughs) Those are absolutely two different people. I mean, if you don't know their names, they're children, and children are, to an extent, kind of homogenous. I'm sorry. Your child is beautiful and unique to you. I I stand. But, I mean, to me, they're all just children, and I'm going to treat them like a puppy, and they're going to love me for it, so. Well, we definitely have had two little Gusses at this point. (laughs) So, I'm just putting it out there. I messed up. What a surprise. 
eh, no big deal. <laughs> we break into this episode in 1986. Uh, Henry is on his front porch, and little Sean comes running in. He's locking the gate behind him, and he is taking shelter behind the, uh, the sliding glass door. And Henry just kind of goes, is that the guy that's been hassling you? His name is Rick Brickups. I thought it was Ryan Brickhouse. <sighs> His name you... is Ryan Brickhouse. <laughs> I did not IMDb. So I think you're right. I know you're right about the Ryan because I have Ryan written in my notes. I just read it, Rick. <laughs> So, yeah. Starting strong. I'm the tired one. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Henry looks at Lil Sean number three and said, why is he chasing you today? And Lil Sean goes, I might have thrown a rock at him. <laughs> Which, you're such a little troll, Sean. I mean, I'm sure he deserved it, but you know you're going to pay if you do something passive and miss. Yep. And that was Henry's whole point. He's like, did you hit him? Almost. Almost. <laughs> and I just said, oh, Henry, this bad hair piece. <laughs> Henry is trying to teach Sean a lesson and says, you can't run away from the bad guys forever, Sean. Eventually, you have to find a new approach. Sean goes back to the bully, Ryan, not Rick, but Kiss <laughs> or whatever his name is. Brick house. Brick house. I just, that was funny for him. <laughs> I wish you guys could see my face right now. That's what Kaylee's <laughs> laughing at. Oh, and they talk about a math test. Oh, yeah. Little Sean says, hey, well, he clocks a, an F on a test that the kid clearly has to get home and sign by a parent. So did I, what did I just say? Okay, he has to take his failed test home to get signed. And Sean clocks it and he says, you're failing math, huh? And the kid goes proudly. But Sean's like, look, I know how this teacher operates. She has, like, a pattern to her test. Every third answer is C. I'll help you, man. It'll be cool. Just don't bust my chops. Yeah. And the bully's like, it better work. And walks away. And Lil Sean walks back up to Henry. And Henry looks at him, and there is such pride in his face. Like, an amazing amount of pride in Henry's face. Agreed. And then Henry looked at Sean and said, did you really, did you really memorize all the tests? And Sean was like, yeah. <laughs> Henry calls his math teacher, which really, really kind of messes little Sean up because he's going to tell the bully. Exactly. And I just wrote, sabotage, Henry. So he's going to force Sean to adapt to survive yet again. And like, at least let him, you know, get one over this time. Yeah. Yeah. At least like, get, let him get through the test and then call the teacher and be like, hey, my kid cheated and... He told his friend who also cheated. Um, maybe just don't use a pattern to make it too easy for yourself, <laughs> Teach. The kids are going to learn better. <laughs> it's not the child's fault they found the loophole. <laughs> I mean, it's not just elementary school teachers. I took international business in college. And my teacher, I don't want to say he was lazy, but... The correct answer was always a lot longer than the incorrect answers. So all you had to do was go to the one that had many more words than the other three and select that one and 
95% of the time you get them right. I mean, I aced that class. Now, I did learn stuff in that class because I'm a nerd. Don't get me wrong. That's why I'm a Gus. But I did really well on those tests because... Can I just say I never trust the pattern when I find it? Unless <laughs> this is a trick. This can't be right. <laughs> it makes me doubt myself more, but that's it that's my is. own hang-up. <laughs> we are back to the psych office in current time. Well, in 2004, current? six, yeah. whatever year it is. Early aughts, something. Yeah. <laughs> Gus walks in. It looks like they have an assistant. There's a leggy blonde primping at the desk in the foyer. <laughs> her name is Dagmar. Dagmar. They intermittently call her uh, secretary and receptionist, and I just wrote, she's an admin assistant. You know that's right. We're updating this thing. Gus is confused, and Sean says he got it from an agency, and Gus goes, you consulted a temp agency without talking to me about it? <laughs> Sean is so proud of himself. He goes, any random Joe can contact a temp agency. It takes real foresight and wisdom to call a modeling agency to get someone placed in your office. And apparently... Gus goes, a model. And he turns into smooth Very, yeah, he's very on board with this evil plan. She doesn't answer any phone but her cell phone. And she <laughs> can't type. And, I mean, to be fair, she was under the impression she was getting booked for a runway show. So... But let's blame the agency. Sean made it very clear. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he did. Because so, I would, if I wanted Leslie, who we'll talk about later, to come and be my admin assistant. But, I mean, did you clock this great little espresso machine? Of course I did. Gus is running through the list of things that an admin assistant should maybe be able to do or willing to do. And he's like, coffee? And Sean's like, yeah, she wants one. Do you want any? Can I make you yeah. a drink? <laughs> so... Okay, but let's take a moment to recognize that when you're making espresso, you gotta shove that stuff into the into the cup, like not into the cup of the coffee. Oh yeah, it's it's a it's it's a little more packed. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't pack it, that coffee comes out real gross. And he didn't. He just kind of dropped his stuff in and dropped it on. I was like, that's gonna make a disgusting. Yeah, you need it to pressurize to an extent. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. You gotta force the water through the grounds, and then you get the richness. Poor espresso technique. <laughs> but you can clearly see, like clear as day in this episode, that the blue psych logo is still Yes, there. they do make a point of like showing us our front window. So we're still going strong with the blueberry blue. Just to jump back into our recap, Sean's like, actually, what are you doing back here so early? And Gus says, a doctor we supplied to got killed. There's drama. And... Sean is intrigued, and he's like, all right, we're going to go out and get some feelers. He speaks Swedish to Dagmar on their way out, just like <laughs> cash. <laughs> yeah, and she just says something back to him, and Gus goes, she doesn't speak English? <laughs> Sean said, does, does she, she have, have to? <laughs> <laughs> I think Gus is like, mm, point. <laughs> They leave and they head to the crime scene and we open up to a very, very mad Lassiter. Ooh, yeah. It's Dr. Blinn's office. Very good. I didn't get that name. Thank you. Mm. John and Gus are walking up to Lassiter and Juliet and Sean asks Gus if there's any information that he has about the doctor that Sean can use to have a psychic vision. Love the teamwork. What was it? I said I love that teamwork. Oh, yeah. 
He said, the only thing I know is that he always made you wait. And there was a picture of Pete Rose on his wall, which is the inn that Sean uses to get into the building. Yeah, apparently that was kind of a grump to his uh, pharmaceutical reps. I mean, he mentions Pete Rose. Jules has clocked that also. She's like, Look I'm how cute she now. is in her fuchsia. Oh my gosh, yeah. Sean is <laughs> such a simp for Jules. Jules says something, and it sounds like maybe it was ADR and like added later, and I wasn't really clear on what she said. Oh, she said, my dad loved Pete Rose. Oh, is that what she said? Mm-hmm. I said, my flop pulled up Pete Rose. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I didn't catch that. <laughs> anyway, her dad loves Pete Rose. It's a baseball reference. I had to look that up. I was like, I never would have known it's sports ball. <laughs> like, but they're real proud. They're like, ooh, we got in. So it's like. As soon as they get in, Lassiter stops them and said, I thought I told you no. And Sean said, but your eyes said yes. I love him sexually harassing Lassiter. It just Thank you. That is yes. 100% what that is. Yes. And it's funny because he's just doing it to make him mad because it's so easy. And it really reminds me of high school. But I put, you know, Lassie's being really, like, mine. Very territorial. And I think, like, that just, like, makes Sean want to neg him more and... I just love it. I love it. It's my favorite part. But anyway. Next to the dead body is a diamond, not diamond, pyramid. It's like, it looks like it's made out of marble. Yeah. It's like a 3D triangle. I don't know if it's a paperweight or just some kind of like mini sculpture. But yeah, it's just like a heavy piece of something. And then there's like a half a toothpick or a broken toothpick. I wasn't. Yeah, sure. there's a like a chewed toothpick right next to the body. I don't have anything else for this section. How does this scene end? Lasseter essentially tells them to leave. And so they head back to the psych office where they are talking about taking the rest of the day off. Oh, they're hella bored. And Sean's like, it's too nice a day to be like bored like this. Let's go to the beach. It's nice. Let's do something fun. That's when Robert comes in. And Dagmar is like, no, you can't. Or she says something. <laughs> she says nine, nine. So he busts in. We learn his name is Robert Dunn. And he's like, I need you guys to help me. Like, he's distraught. He's just so overwrought and stressed. And they're just kind of like, hey, something's happening now. They're pretty much ready to blow him off. And then he said that he was being haunted. And Gus perks up. Immediately. He gets so excited. And Sean immediately gets up. And walks around and walks behind the guy and is instantly just like, no, this is not it. This guy's cuckoo. And, you know, just like those little kid motions. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, I'm not into this. He was definitely going like, nope, we're not doing this. This guy's crazy. And Gus was like, oh, yes, we are. And they have kind of a visual argument. And then they start having a text message argument about whether or not they're taking this case. These phones. Oh, my God. Oh, they're so beautiful. I love that Sean has a razor. Yeah. Like, that really was a very popular phone. Motorola was such a moment. But Gus has one of those ones that you, like, pop it up, and it's got a full keyboard. It's not like a BlackBerry. It's like like you slide part of it up. And I love those because I like, you know, having the little keyboard. Mm -hmm. Because then you didn't have to deal with the razors, like, press three, three Three, times to hit C. Four, four, one, one. (laughs) Well, they ask if the ghost has ever spoken to Robert, and Robert says no, but he said that he could smell perfume for no reason, 
things were often broken or moved and he had no recollection of moving them or breaking them and just kind of felt like everything was off. Now, I want to pause here because in the intro to Robert, Sean calls him Mr. Robert and Bob. He asks if he can call him Bob. Yeah, throughout the episode, he calls him a bunch of names. And I think I wrote down all of them, but I will share them as we go. Please. At the end of the text fight, they decide that, well, Gus decides that they're going to take the case. Yeah, and at some point, the final bombshell is dropped that this guy is like, this wouldn't be as big a deal to me. It was like, you know, just smells and, and, and just a feeling of stuff being off. But then somebody tried to kill me and he's got this mark on his neck. Mm-hmm. And then credits. I've been working more on my shorthand, and so I've got OPCR. That means opening credits. Good job. <laughs> and now I have PO, which means they're back in the psych office. Yeah, and this time without Robert. But Gus is getting all of his ghost gear together. Geared up for science. This boy is like <laughs> hunting ghosts for Jesus. Like, <laughs> because he's a believer. We're like, why is he so wrapped up in this? Sean is like, dude, why can't you see that this is bull? This is not worth our time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sean goes, Gus, I'm very impressed. You've only forgotten one thing. There's no such thing as ghosts. <laughs> I love it. Oh, He sits down with Gus and he's like, you've got to let me know why you're so on board with this. It doesn't make sense. So Gus admits that he's had a supernatural experience. When he was a little kid, and he's never told anyone about it. And Sean admits that when Gus's dad was redoing part of the wall, he stuck a walkie-talkie in it, and the voice that Gus heard as a little kid talking to him from beyond the grave was just Sean. Sean told him that the house had been built on an Indian burial ground. And when he finally admits that it was him that had been talking to him through the wall... He said, come on, man, Indian burial ground. I got that from Poltergeist. Poltergeist 2? Gremlins? Gremlins? No, definitely not Gremlins. (laughs) So three kind of heavy pop culture moments back to back there. Yeah, I just wrote, oh, Gus. He just looks so, like, it was just such an experience for him. You know, it just made such an impact. And he's like, there are spirits and we can make a difference. (laughs) And... They deserve peace. Like, all of this is just implied, but I'm just like, you soft boy. Yeah. Like, I love him so much. He was ready. And it's funny because even after Sean admits that he had been the one that was haunting him, he still 100%, Gus was still 100% in. He still was using his gear. He still was looking for the ghost. He still believed Robert might be being haunted. I think I kind of attributed that naturally to like, okay, well, you went throughout the rest of your life after that experience with this confirmation bias. So you feel like you have other evidence like packed away. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't experiences. I'm just saying I'm really glad I haven't had any. (laughs) So... Next, we end up at SVPD. And Lassiter is online ordering all these little figurines. Like, very pseudo-precious moments. Precious moments, thank you. Yeah. I could not for the life of me remember what those were called. What were they called on the website he was on? I didn't clock that. And now oh, I don't even know. I just wrote figurines. Yeah. And Jules overhears him ordering these very specific ones from this collection. And he's like, okay, so those will be sent out tomorrow. And this is the message I want to go with it. And I think it's something like, whoever this person is, 
like name. X is the loneliest letter, and then X is spelled E X. And then love, you're not yet X E X. Husband, Carlton. He's clearly trying to make amends and keep this relationship from fully falling apart. And which, if we stop here and look back at Lassiter's kind of attitude this entire series so far, mm-hmm. a lot of that can be contributed to the fact that he's been going through a really rough divorce. Separation. Uh, excuse me, a really rough separation. <laughs> he obviously either cheated with not Juliet or started dating not Juliet after the breakup. But nonetheless, if they're not actually divorced yet, it couldn't have been that long for the separation. So he's definitely struggling. Maybe he should see a therapist and be his own nut job. Sorry, I'm still a little salty about that. Yeah, we're going to stay salty. I don't know how California law works, but I know in the state where I live, you have to be legally separated, which just means that you are no longer residing in the same home together for at least a year before you can file for divorce. Wow. You know, there might be mitigating circumstances, but just like, you know, for an easy divorce... You separate, you can get divorced online real quick after that year is up. Like, you can just do a do-it-yourself divorce packet. <laughs> and, and yeah, um, I know some people who have done so, and it's just like, you know, it's getting that separation, saying, this is where my mail is going now, this is where their mail is going now. So, yeah, it's pretty easy that way, but it does take time. It just doesn't get drawn out in other ways. Right. So I don't right. know what he's going through in California. But still, I mean, even if we're just talking about a year, like even if it has been a year, that's still not that long. True. Yeah. And he's clearly going through it. Um, But Jules clocks this. She overhears. She doesn't really try to encroach too much, but she does try to have like this little bonding moment like, oh, the figurines, my grandma liked. And Carlton's just like not about it. (laughs) Do you not knock? There's no door. He was just like, oh no, I'm being perceived. (laughs) (laughs) This man needs therapy. Like, someone, please. Yeah. Well, oddly enough, that is when they get access to the patient files. So they're ready to go try to find some of the patients of the doctor to see if they can figure out what happened. And I will say, I do think that doctor-client confidentiality would make them jump through a few more hoops, even though the doctor is now dead and They're obviously looking for suspects amongst his patients, but I think this makes it look too easy. I don't think it would be this easy. Yeah, they might be able to get a list of names, but I don't know how they would actually get the files. I feel like they could get a list of patients who had animosity or like quit in a huff or like some third party doctor could maybe screen the files initially. Mm -hmm. I think it would just be like not as easy as, all right, he's dead. Here's all his files. One of these guys might have known something or done it. Like, <laughs> Sean and Gus are at Robert's house looking for the ghost that's haunting Robert. And Gus has his little like cam- record camera or whatever. And he's like, oh, I definitely found a cold spot. And Sean walks <laughs> over and goes, oh, yeah, it's definitely a cold spot. It's called Standing Under the Vent. But we find out that Robert is a painter and he's getting ready for a show and like sometimes he comes in and all his paintings are upside down and like weird stuff. I wrote PFO. I don't know what that means. Um Oh, I know what it means. Never mind. Okay. Where where did we end here? Dawn is looking around and he notices two really important things. 
one that there's these little red hairs everywhere. Yes, cockroaches. Like head hairs for sure. And yeah. then also that there are X's on Robert's faces in some of the pictures. Yeah. He clocks it in like a, a class picture on display. And then he asks Robert if he has a photo album. We find out later that Robert may not have realized, but Sean realized going through it that Robert's face is X'd out. But yeah. should we pause for a minute? Because this is where I think our pineapple hunt ends. Okay. I have a theory of what you're about to say. So let's do it. Pineapple hunt. I think it's the pizza box on the coffee table in this guy's living room. What I saw on this pizza and the brief glimpse we get of it, I'm I'm sure for me this is the pineapple. Like I found chunks of pineapple. <laughs> I only I paused there because I saw the pizza, but I only saw like crusts. See, I saw like like white pale pieces that I was like pineapple. I think I assumed that those were crust pieces. Oh. They were more pale. I was like, it's not big hunks of cheese. I think it's pineapple. Yeah. But that's okay. Well, I'm okay with calling that the pineapple because I looked there. I rewinded and watched a couple of other places where I thought there might be a pineapple. Same. And I had no luck. So I'm okay with saying pizza box. You guys can take this polarizing opinion for what it is, but I am a very pro- pineapple on pizza gal look i can't have cheese don't come for me for my pineapple because (laughs) it's just where i'm landing (laughs) yeah that's okay okay i like that i like calling that the pineapple at least for right now and then again if you want to fight with us about that it is to the blueberry podcast at gmail.com send us what you think is your pineapples hop some screenshots for us we would appreciate it because I hunted and I failed, so. And you know what? Come for me. I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, Sean is, like, waving the photo book around like it's possessed. It's like a bird, and he's cawing. And, like, he's like, hey, it wants to see the bedroom. Take us to the bedroom. So they run off to the bedroom, and then Sean's like, oh, I lost it. And he's like, are you making fun of me? And Sean's like, did you not just see that? There's stuff going on here. I'm sensing things. And Robert is just once again, just it's too much. And he kind of breaks down and he's like, this is a lot, bro. And he's crying, sitting on his bed. And Sean and Gus are just having another silent fight. And (laughs) this particular fight, they're fighting to see who is going to comfort Robert. And they end up playing rock, paper, scissors. Oh no, I have to I have to be empathetic and, and comfort another man. <laughs> How lame. Like, seriously. Gus loses the first hand and then says we have to play two out of three. Of course, when he says that, he's actually mouthing it at Sean. Because Robert is just sitting there crying. Saying things like, oh, I hope you guys will spend the night and see what's going on. Days go by and I have no idea what I'm missing. I have no memory of those days. And Gus loses and has to console Robert. Yes. And he kind of awkwardly pats him on the shoulder and Robert like looks up like, what is happening? (laughs) They decide to stay the night to just kind of feel things out. And Sean's like, we're not going to hear anything, but let's just, you know, make the guy feel better. And I've already got this figured out. And Gus is like, what? What? He's like, it's the redheaded ex. I clocked the red hairs. I saw her in the photos. Yeah, we, we've got our gal. 
one of the things that he uses to point out that it is an ex or that Robert has an ex, he said something along the lines of, look, the bedroom's a mess, his nails are filthy, and his hair is horrible. Ding, ding, ding. I love this bit. I love how often it comes back. But yeah, he's like, this is not a guy who's being taken care of or taking care of himself to present himself well for anyone. Like, there's pizza boxes and food and dirty plates all over the house. So he's like, yeah, this guy's, he's not in a relationship. He's got an ex, though, so maybe he effed up. (laughs) Gus was ready to just tell him, but Sean said, how psychic would I be if we just told him what was going on? Tomorrow, we'll talk to the girlfriend, and in the meantime, I'm going to do some sit-ups. Come on, hold my feet. I'm going to do (laughs) 2,000. I thought he said 1,000, but I love the hold my feet part. Hold my feet. I'm going to do 1,000. It's a very childish moment. He's like, come hold my feet. I'm going to do a thousand. (laughs) Just like, this is a thing to do. And then cut to house filled with smoke. There's a fire burning. Gus wakes up coughing. Like, it's terrifying. What the heck? Where are the smoke detectors? Good question. Like, Like, legally speaking, there have to be smoke detectors in that house. And this man makes his living... Doing a thing that is highly flammable. Flammable. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like your pictures are toast, bruh. But they wake up in time. They get Robert. It's not too much. There's damage, but. Here we go. When Gus wakes up Sean, Sean says, get Bobbert. <laughs> the first time I watched it, I heard Bobbert. And I was like, oh, I think I must have just messed that up. And so the second time I watched it, I heard Bobbert. And I was like. Oh my goodness, and I rewinded it, and he definitely called him Bobbert at that point. So, so far, we've had Mr. Robert, Robert, Bob, and Bobbert. I mean, Sleepy Sean can play whatever he wants. Well, don't worry, because we're going into the next scene with Bobbert, and Sean calls him Buddy. Are you okay, Buddy? So, call him that number four. And then Sean is, like, off to the side with Gus going, this was new, or, or does he do it in front of Robert? Because he's like, this was no spirit. Someone set this fire. That was with um, Gus. And then he touches a napkin to Gus's forehead, and it comes away with a lipstick lip imprint. <laughs> did like, you, did you catch the really silly sound effect that they played when Sean like rubbed his head? They it went like, <laughs> no! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh. They did realize that all of the windows and doors had been locked from the inside. So no one had come in to light the fire. Ooh. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, but I just wrote kissy face magic head because. (laughs) (laughs) Lassiter and Juliet are on the street and they are looking for Regina Kane, who happens to be one of the doctor. Dr. Blaine? Blin. Blin? B-L-I-N-N. It was on the sign at the okay. place. One of Dr. Blinn's patients. Sean and Gus are in their car. And they pull up <laughs> to Lasseter and Juliet. Good morning, detective. Collecting donations for the policeman's ball? We don't, we don't have, have balls. <laughs> Says Lasseter. And Juliet's face is <laughs> just like, bruh. <laughs> Sean sees the files that they're carrying and sees Regina King's name. And kind of puts that in his memory bank, as Sean often does. Yes. and But Sean's reaction to Lassiter's foot-and-mouth issue is just, I honestly have no response. 
Like, and just, <laughs> you're making this too easy for me. <laughs> but yeah, he clocks the file name and he's like, well, it was good seeing you. <laughs> They're in the blueberry driving away and Gus said, I'm going to change my clothes, get some lunch and go back to work. You mean Gus? Dang it. Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> dang it. Every stinking time. I love it. I'm sorry. Yes, I just that was that. Gus. <laughs> they have a little bit of banter back and forth. And when the banter kind of ends with Sean going, jerk chicken? And Gus says, you know, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're still in the blueberry and Gus is waking up. Yeah, and now he's in the passenger seat, which he was driving last scene. So that's, you know, points. Sean's also, letting him drive his own car. Good pop culture reference, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham! is playing in the background. <laughs> which is course. funny. Because it is. Sean did not wake us up before he went wet. Okay, but not only did he not wake him up, he drugged him. He put like six antihistamine pills in his milkshake. So he fell asleep in the car. And, and then Sean drove got to his- San Francisco. <laughs> San Francisco! Gus says, you're going to have to buy me new tires. Also, he says, I will kill you, Sean, which is a fun recurring bit. Gus said, we're not talking. Sean goes, seriously? Sean said, we need to work through this, share our feelings, and maybe get a smoothie. <laughs> but so this is, this is our second smoothie reference. I didn't know the girlfriend's name. How did they find her? That's a really good question, how they found her, because they just saw a picture of her. Yeah. And they knew that he lived in San Francisco. No idea. As soon as she opens the door, Sean's like, nope. (laughs) Never mind. It's not her. But they go in anyway because they've driven all the way here. Sean said to Gus that the lips don't match. Therefore, it was not the girlfriend. So they end up going in to talk to her and see what's going on. They are saying that they are interested in the work of her former paramour and that she is a character reference for him. At this point, we cut actually back to SPPD. Oh, because that's when Lassiter gets back the figurines that he had sent. Yeah, there's a quick look. I love, it's like a B plot line that just runs through this whole thing. It's just like him and his ongoing personal issues. I think it's helping really build him up as a character and like connect him to other people because like he, he's not a jerk for no reason all the time. <laughs> and I think that ends up kind of happening because Juliet sees him and said, you look sad. And Lassiter said, I am sad. And then there's a full beat before he goes, I still don't have the reports from something or other. Like he was trying to, he was trying to have a moment then he realized he didn't want to. And so he kind of overcorrected. Yeah. She sent back the figurines he sent her as a gesture. And she gave him a note that said something like separate means apart. Yep. And it's like there's underlines, it's in marker, and it's just like, denied. Then we go back to the house with Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sean and Gus and ex-girlfriend, take it from there. They're saying that ex-girlfriend is going to be their character witness for this guy whose work they're interested in showing or buying or what have you. And aren't they pretending to be with like some hoity-toity like she-she gallery they're, they're pretending to be with some sort of gallery and they're trying to come up with a name and they were like we've tried Louvre, Louvre 2 Le Petit Louvre, Night Gallery none of them worked 
And <laughs> Night Gallery seemed weird to me. Like, it was out of it. So I looked it up. And it is also a pop culture reference. Ooh, I don't know Night Gallery. It was a television series. Ooh. It first aired in 1969. Oh my gosh. Okay, throwback. There we go. Pop culture there reference that neither of us really knew. So she's super shocked that she's even a character reference. She's like, it did not end well between us. Like, I caught him lying. He would, like, not show up to stuff. It was a pattern of behavior. And then he was cheating on me, and he lied about it. Like, and I forget, what was the evidence that he was cheating? So he was forgetting dates, standing her up, and sometimes he would get so caught up in his work that he would disappear for days. And then he cheated on her and lied about it. One of her friends found him at a club, and when she walked up to him to confront him about it, he didn't know who Robert was, and he called himself Martin Brody. Which is a Jaws reference, and did the guy in Jaws also... With the, okay, this is going to be a spoiler, but with the toothpicks. That's another movie I've never seen. Oh, dang. They played it at the drive-in. Oh. Yeah, as a double feature with, I want to say Jurassic Park. It was pretty cool. Anyway. That sounds right. Well, (laughs) when they're there and talking, Gus finally tries to speak to her, but Sean had introduced him as Francois. And so... Gus is trying to do this terrible French accent. What does he even try to say? He's like, oh, I bet that made you so angry. You wanted to just kill him. That's it. That's it. But <laughs> this is the first time that Gus actually gets introduced. Yes. It's not all that punny. It wasn't extra funny, but it's like the wrong name, alter ego all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And Sean, as soon as Gus says that, Sean goes, yeah, Maybe. But probably not so much anymore. Because you're very happily engaged now, right? And, you know, then we get the, like, oh, my God, you noticed my ring. <laughs> yes. So he's like, yeah, it's not her. She's not that bitter. It ended. It didn't end well. But, like, she's over it. They are back in the blueberry. And Gus is still really bad. And do they, okay, are we back in Santa Barbara yet? We're back in Santa Barbara. We've driven all the way back, but as soon as we're back, they're talking, and then Sean goes, hey, Gus, we might want to move, because they're, like, apart. Before that, he's trying to explain to Gus why today was a good day, and he said, we went on a road trip. We got some fresh-baked sourdough, and a new reception's coming in the morning, and get this, she speaks English. (laughs) How can you say we didn't have a good day? (laughs) That's when Sean said whatever you just said I didn't write it yeah we we might want to move the car because they're just like having this conversation in the car and I just wrote blueberry attacked because this other car is speeding toward them they get out of the way by the skin of their nose and the other car runs into does it run into a hydrant it hits something yeah I think it was a utility pole of some sort yeah and so then this guy in a dark hoodie with the hood up scrambles out and runs off and Sean's like guy's like a whippet Which is a really, really skinny dog. (laughs) (laughs) They're going and investigating the crash after the guy ran away. And Sean said, what does the super smeller say? And Gus's response was, someone's had too much to drink. But Sean recognizes another toothpick in the car. Mm -hmm. And so then they're like, oh my gosh, whoever killed Dr. Blinn, they're still out there and... I think it has something to do with Robert because 
Why did, I think at this point he does think it has something to do with Robert because then we end up back at Robert's house, but I'm missing a line of my notes. I don't know how Sean connects it. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know either. But you're right. They do go back to Robert's house and they're knocking on the door to see if he's okay. Oh, and... okay. He connects it because of the toothpicks. He's like, guy with toothpick killed doctor. Doctor was seeing Regina Kane. Toothpick guy tried to kill us. We are helping find Robert's ghost. And someone's trying to kill Robert. So connect. We get a knock with Robert, Bob, two, two more names. And they end up just kind of letting themselves into the house because they're well, a little Well, he looks worried. through the mail slot and there's a painting upside down. So this is a red flag that like something's happening in this house and Robert's not in it because that painting's not supposed to be facing upside down. And so they're looking around. Nothing's in there. Stuff is a little weird. They start kind of going around the outside of the house. And oh, no, realize... no. They see a note in acrylic paint. Oh, that that's said, right. save me, I'm trapped. It was yeah, it's scribbled like, into a mirror. Yeah, it's like blood red. Um, and Gus is not convinced it is not blood. <laughs> but Sean realizes it is and follows it. And that's how they end up outside. And then they see mm. that the paint trail took them to like an attic loft, an attic ladder yeah like you you get access to this other part of the house up this ladder i guess there's an access point in the house proper but it was weird so when they get up to the attic they see women's shoes women's clothes makeup wigs and that's when they realize that robert is the woman wearing all of these clothes and he's smelling the perfume from this what Sean says is a personality thing you know like the girl in the movie the flying nun which is Sally Field in a show she was in and the movie he's referencing that they never name is Sybil oh I didn't know what it was but I did get all of the pop culture references there of flying nun smoking in the bandit Hooper Sally Fields Terry Bradshaw and Norma Ray. Oh my gosh, I don't know Hooper, but Smokey and the Bandit and Smokey and the Bandit too, just like the hottie times for Sally Field. But they say it was a made-for-TV movie, which Sybil, I think, was, but I thought Smokey and the Bandit was in theaters, so I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but... Gus recognizes that it's not called that personality thing. It's called Disassociative Identity Disorder, and that's when it all comes together. Now, here's a thing that doesn't sit well with me about this. Most people with this associative identity disorder realize that there are separate units in their system. They don't go through blackouts like that. I've heard it both ways and <laughs> not to be funny, <laughs> but I do think that like part of the healing process is becoming aware and kind of relating all these personalities to one another. I think if they are very, very separate, it's a more severe case there's more work to be done perhaps robert has not gotten any treatment for his did mm -hmm. and so it would be rash to assume that he if he has gotten treatment that he doesn't realize that there are separate units in his system but if he hasn't gotten any treatment it's possible that he would not realize that but just like 
just again general mental health awareness a lot of people who have did we would never know that they have did they are very aware of their separate units within their system they don't normally turn into killers oh spoiler alert spoiler alert but (laughs) here's the thing so robert is not aware but it is clear that at least one of his other units or facets of his overall personality and mental territory is aware because I mean eventually and I don't think it's here yet but I think eventually they're like ah this person sees a threat to themselves Uh and also like it does seem like Regina is aware of Robert yes very much so not sure if she's aware of of Martin Brody right (laughs) so we're getting a little ahead of ourselves but they bring Robert to the attic yes and this is where they're like, I think it's Gus who says, look, it triggers, you know, mm-hmm. we've got to, we've got to connect this, you know, for ourselves and start a dialogue. So we've got to like use these sights and these smells and these other pieces of this identity to draw her out and, you know, get, get the goods. Now, when they do bring Robert upstairs, all of a sudden Gus has a coat. I just want to point oh. that out. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Kind he of did not there. have a coat before. And I was like, where did his coat come from? <laughs> but they're trying to get Regina to become facing. And Sean, I think, looked at her and said, do you feel pretty? And I was yeah. like, West Side Story reference. I'm taking it. <laughs> and I just wrote, Regina is classy AF. Like, eventually, Gus starts speaking directly to her. Robert's confused. But Sean puts on, uh, like, a kimono blouse mm-hmm. or, or something. Sprays her with some perfume. And yeah, they're speaking directly to her. And then she does become facing and they're able to start a dialogue with her. So specifically when Gus said, you look beautiful, Regina. That's when she became facing. And he's very earnest. And she's like, thank you, Gus. (laughs) You're just so very thoughtful. And she points out that she was so happy that Gus consoled Robert when Robert was feeling so bad the other day. And... Mm. Finally just looked at Gus and said, do you think you can help me out, please? I like what this actor is doing as far like, if he is portraying a female identifying person in this moment, I feel like this is sensitively done. I'm just like, I like Regina. I think she's earnest. I think, you know, she's the one who's been seeing Dr. Blinn. And we start to understand that she has body dysmorphia because it is primarily Robert's body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she is a very real part of his like, mental territory and she's feeling trapped. And I think that it just adds a layer that I don't think they intended, but for me it made it more poignant and just like there's so much more to work on because Robert's unaware and Regina is the only one who's aware. Well, I mean, I think the other... Mm-hmm. aspect is aware as well but I think when Regina's calling the shot she's like what can I do to make myself feel less trapped without maybe considering like Robert's um, reaction to it or need to understand it yeah <laughs> Regina said that she had been trying to tell Robert about Regina for a while she oh, had been leaving Robert knows... messages yeah and I think I what I was on uh unclear about was whether she actually knew about Martin Brody like I don't think she does because that's when Sean said but someone else always got in the way didn't oh well so maybe 
maybe she does know about she, and maybe she Martin. like doesn't have a like a dialogue with that aspect but i think she's like what happened was wrong and i like there was nothing i could do to stop it and the doctor was trying to help me so it's like the doctor was yeah. trying to help me and sean said do you mind if i ask what the doctor was helping you with and regina mm. said you know better than to ask a woman about her doctor yeah yeah it was very like mm, personal <laughs> They need to get Robert back. They really want to talk to Robert and explain to Robert about Regina. And so Gus, in his little sweet Gus voice, asked Regina if she could please bring Robert back. And she said, for you, of course I can. And then there's just this moment where they start saying, Robert, Robert, Robert. And Sean goes, try Bob. (laughs) So Bob wakes up to his full consciousness and he kind of extra manly goes oh when he like (laughs) finds that he's wearing a wig inexplicably which i don't think is like oh girl hair but it's just like very disoriented Mm -hmm. yes he's very disoriented he's not where he last was and so they're like trying to explain to him and i i guess he just kind of has to like accept it because Mm -hmm. he just experienced one of his blackouts and they're like we saw the whole thing. <laughs> Sean and Gus are ready to tell Lasseter and Juliet what's going on and where they can find Regina Kane. Because Robert had agreed to try to help them. Mm-hmm. And we're back at the SBPD. And Lasseter is lining up all of the figurines against a wall. And meanwhile, Sean and Gus walk in to talk to Jules and they're like, get Lassie. We know where to find Regina King. You should both be here for this. And then it kind of flips back and <laughs> Lassiter. And it's a very, what is the song? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that's playing yeah. in the background. And he's shooting all the little figurines <laughs> he, at the shooting range. He puts in his earplugs. He puts on his gog- <laughs> goggle. He cocks his gun. Juliet is on her way to get him, and Sean does a little recap with Gus about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Regina is a patient of the doctor, and... They find her file, they f- so they confirm what she was seeing Dr. Blinn for. That is when they all put it together, that Dr. Blinn had been treating Regina to have a gender reassignment. Robert, <laughs> they said, if Regina loses her parts, then Robert would lose his parts. And that's when they realize that there must be another personality who's also going to lose his parts. Because he would know about it and Robert doesn't. So he has motive to stop Regina. And the only way to stop Regina is to get her doctor out of the way so he can't sign off and like counsel her properly and, and go through the steps necessary. Because obviously he can't do anything to Regina if, because they're sharing you know, a collective the one thing that bothered me about it was the camera kind of panned to the files. And when it panned to the files, you could clearly see a file that said Regina Kane. And then he had to go looking for it. And then Sean, <laughs> I got to find Regina's file. I'm like, bro, it's right there. Like, use your eyeballs. We go back to Lasseter shooting all of the figurines. And Juliet walks down and says, what are you doing? And he said, it relaxes me. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm feeling much better now. And then she says, Sean Spencer's upstairs. He says he found Regina Kane. And Lassiter is instantly like, 
and who is up there watching him. Because <laughs> she says she left Sean at Lassiter's desk. Yeah. So they hustle up. But that's when they remember that Sean saw on Regina's planner that she had found a new doctor. And so they were going to go try to find the new doctor to try to help the new doctor because they were worried that Martin might do the same thing. Gus said, when's the appointment? And Sean goes, right now. I mean, like in 10 minutes. (laughs) Gus was actually just like, really? Right now, Sean? (laughs) That's when Lassiter and Juliet come up and Sean starts having a psychic freak out. Gus said, he says this is the killer. And Sean just starts writing on one of the doors and writes Dr. Drake. And we have a very cool moment where Lassiter actually believes Sean because immediately they're like, let's go. Yes, but I wanted to mention when Lassiter is like marching through the precinct to get back to his desk to confront Sean, the music cue is like borderline Imperial March. Like it's very (laughs) intense. And I laughed so hard. We are at the new doctor's office. And we see Regina sitting on the couch, but she's chewing a toothpick. She's looking her best and stuff. And like, she's talking as herself, but it's someone impersonating her. And we know because of the toothpick, I guess they complete the whole of the appointment and they've tried to call Dr. Drake and she lets it go to message. I wonder why she wouldn't have it on do not disturb during a session because Mm. that would be annoying. They're trying to call to warn her, but she can't answer, obviously, because they're in session. And as soon as it's over, she's like, well, we, you know, we have more more work to do, but that's the end of the time today. She said, um, you seem like a good candidate, Regina. And that's when Martin said, there's only one thing. My name's not Regina. And he hops to try to get Dr. Drake. Well, he picks up a, a big, weird statue off her table. That's, and, that's yeah. correct. And then, like, just at that moment, the door flies open and Lassiter tackles Martin Brody. That's when Sean calls him both Robert and Bob again. Yeah. And said, you back here, buddy? That's when we get Robert back and Robert's still very confused what's going on. He's like, I, what, what is happening here? Why am I here? Or something like that. And so... We end up back at the psych office. Mm-hmm. And we find out that Robert is going to a really, really good mental health institution. Yes. To get assistance with his DID. Yes. Like he's in custody, but the good news is that he's getting treatment. And this is like a very perfect world scenario. And I'm really glad that they're showing this. It's just like, yes, we know who was committing violence, but we also see that it's not just this like cut and dry criminal act. Like this person is going to get the help they need. And I love Mm -hmm. that. Sean looked around the office and he sees this Adonis of a man (laughs) sitting at the front desk and he goes, who's that? Gus says, that's the uh, new receptionist. Leslie. (laughs) And Sean gets super confused and said, I thought they sent us a model. And Gus said, he is a model, although he's getting sick of the grind. Sean says they were supposed to send a swimsuit model, which (laughs) don't worry, Leslie is. (laughs) They just decide, well, not they. Sean decides, we need to fire this guy. But he's actually good at the job. And, yeah. But we find out it's not just because, like, Sean needs a hot girl there. It's because it's Sean... It's because he's better looking than both of us put together. <laughs> Which, I mean, don't be so fragile, Sean, but also, shots fired. 
(laughs) (laughs) They send him a text message, fire him, and then sneak out of the office. And the episode ends with Leslie picking up his phone and seeing a text message that said, you're fired. The sheer nerve. That's a terrible way to fire somebody. It's a terrible way to break up with somebody. Oh, yeah. It's just like, I mean, at least you didn't just disappear and ghost him. But I guess you can't because it's (laughs) your office. Still. I have one more pop culture reference, but it has to do with your quote at the end of the episode. So, to give you a frame of reference, what Kaylee's going to say is actually from a Saturday Night Live skit. That was another fun fact from Pausing the episode. Oh, no, that's not mine. Oh, you're not going to say butter? No, I love the Saturday Night Live um, coffee talk. Oh, yeah, that's it. Coffee talk. Yeah, it's Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph, and when something's really good, it's like butter. Oh, like butter, just like butter. Um, I love butter, <laughs> just my, for the record. I know you do, and I love things that are like butter. <laughs> so we fit okay. Besides that, I think I hit all of my references. Yeah, and I'm really glad that like I decided against that quote because I didn't want to miss out on the reference. We needed time to explain it, and my my other one is, is better. <laughs> is there anything else we need to talk about during this episode, Kaylee? I don't think so. I think just, you know, I hope nobody was offended and it's able to be taken in the spirit in which it was intended. And yes, we can laugh at Sean and Gus for being insecure in their manhood because of toxic masculinity (laughs) but it was the early aughts so i mean i do believe we see growth (laughs) and i feel that way about lassiter as well i think we see growth with lassiter and i think that i can give lassie a pass for being a buttwad because he is going through a nasty divorce yes and it's not an excuse it's an explanation but you know when the growth occurs we can retroactively give him the space he needed at the time (laughs) and i called him a buttwad so it's okay yeah (laughs) I'm Alexis, and my name is Wilting Flower. I died without knowing love. Will you be my friend? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Kaylee. Oh, crime scene photos. Love crime scene photos. (laughs) And this has been To To the the Blueberry! Blueberry! Psych out!